1: for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des
2: Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now here's
1: Miller and Condon
2: I Miller and Condon at 11 o'clock hour Des Moines Sports Station 1460KXNO 106.3 FM any moment, Governor Kim Reynolds, daily press conference, bottom of the hour. We'll hear from our friend David Kaplan. We uh, recorded, uh, as we do every Wednesday, we record Cappy about 8.30. Uh, it's a good piece today, uh, obviously, with the last dance and uh, Cappy reliving it, as um, as all of us are. Um, so, Cappy, coming up at 11.30, I think you will enjoy that. All right, momentarily, we will get to the governor. J- Channel 13 is joined. Here's Kim Reynolds.
3: Numbers. Today, we had 107 new positive cases for a total of 3,748 positive cases. We had no new counties, so we have a total of 84 counties. 522 negative cases today for a total of 24,496 negative tests. The State Hygienic Lab has 6,248 tests available we have had 100 and uh, excuse me 1428 iowans recovered for a recovery rate of 38% and we have had an additional seven deaths for a total of 90 deaths in the state of iowa and 51% of those deaths are in um, are among residents of long term care facilities Across the RMCC regions yesterday, there were 272 COVID-19 patients hospitalized, 70 were admitted in the last 24 hours, 92 patients are being treated in ICUs, and 57 are on ventilators. Also, in hospitals across the state, there are 4,082 inpatient beds, 547 ICU beds, and 689 ventilators that are available for patient care. Today, the Department of Public Health has also confirmed another long-term care facility outbreak at St. Francis Manor in Powishik County, and this does bring the total uh, number of long-term care facility outbreaks to 11. Yesterday, at yesterday's press conference, I announced the launch of Test Iowa. And it's a statewide initiative to assess the health of Iowans, increase testing for um, COVID 19, and really track the virus activity so that we can mitigate and manage it and start getting life back to normal. Iowa's response to this opportunity has been incredible. In the first 24 hours alone, more than 80,000 Iowans completed the online assessment and more than 250 scheduled an appointment we had 631 social media mentions of the hashtag test iowa challenge with a reach of over 18.8 million Iowans are engaged and they're excited, so we want to keep the momentum going. And you can help by going to testiowa.com and taking the assessment. It's really the first step to understanding more about the virus activity in Iowa. Again, what we can do to mitigate and start to manage it so that we can uh, open businesses back up, get life back to normal, but do it in a very safe and responsible manner. Our first drive-through testing site opens on Saturday at the uh, Iowa Events Center, the north parking lot in downtown Des Moines and we're identifying locations now for additional sites in other communities across the state we want to reach as many iowans as possible and at this time um... so at this time test iowa is being prioritized for those who currently have symptoms um... have interacted with someone who have already tested positive or have recently visited places where covid-19 is more widespread so if you work in healthcare, care law enforcement manufacturing or other essential services please complete the assessment. It is critical for all Iowans uh, that you stay healthy and well and this again will help us kind of understand the scope and spread of the virus and help make see if our workforce um, have symptoms. We can get them the test and and get them uh, back online. So uh, we would encourage our our first responders and healthcare workers uh, and essential workers take the test. If you don't qualify for testing after completing the assessment the first time, that doesn't mean that you won't qualify later. So if you develop mild symptoms or you begin feeling ill, or if you become aware that someone that you've been in contact with has had COVID-19, then take the assessment again. So this is really a way to manage your health care through the uh, assessment and Test Iowa app. Um, Your health can change day-to-day, and there's no limit to how many times you can complete the assessment. But the assessment, it's not a replacement for your health care provider. So just remember that if you are sick and you need medical attention, you need to call your your doctor. So be sure and follow through what what we've been telling you to do, and this is just another tool to help us uh, mitigate and manage the spread. As you are aware, the Department of Public Health is closely monitoring our long-term care facilities and communities with increasing increasing virus activity or confirmed outbreaks. And they really have from the very beginning um, taking have been taking proactive measures to protect staff as well as residents so today the department of public health is sending a long-term care facility strike team to tama county where increased virus activity uh, is in the area and it could uh, increase the risk risk of exposure to residents in surrounding communities. So by proactively conducting surveillance testing of long-term care facility employees in the area, we do have the opportunity again to isolate and identify positive cases early and potentially prevent exposing additional vulnerable residents. The team of nurses with the support of the Iowa National Guard will conduct um, diagnostic and serologic um, testing for all staff members of the long-term care facilities uh, in the area I've asked Sarah Reister from the Department of Public Health to provide more information about this important effort Sarah
0: Thank you Governor Reynolds and thank you to Director Garcia and her staff at DHS as well as to Adjunct General Correll General and the National Guard for all of your support in assisting the Department of Public Health with this effort There are still a lot of things that we don't know about this virus, but one thing we do know is that it spreads quickly and efficiently in settings where people work and live in close proximity to each other. As we mentioned last week, we have been developing plans for long-term care facility testing strike teams. The goal of these teams is to provide support for long-term care facilities and their staff and to prevent the spread of the virus in order to protect the people who live and work in these facilities. As we've seen in Iowa and other states, despite best efforts to prevent the spread of the virus after it's detected, devastating consequences can occur if it's detected too late. We want to do everything we can to prevent those tragedies from happening. Our department and local public health agencies have been working with the long-term care facilities throughout our state for months now To prevent the virus from entering these facilities where some of our most vulnerable Iowans live We are taking the next step today by sending a long-term care facility testing strike team to Tama County where we have seen positive COVID-19 case counts increasing The goal of this long-term care facility strike team is to offer COVID-19 testing to employees of long-term care facilities in Tama County, some of the many heroes on our front lines. All employees of the long-term care facilities in Tama County have been invited to participate. The testing site has been carefully planned to prevent transmission of virus of the virus during testing. It is occurring at an off-site location and employees will be offered both diagnostic and serology testing as Governor Ren- Reynolds mentioned. Diagnostic testing will let employees know whether they currently have the virus and it will allow facilities to take proactive measures to prevent the spread of the virus if they do have staff who are currently positive. Serology testing is intended to let employees know whether they have already had the virus. Again, there are a lot of things that we don't know about this virus, one of which is whether a previous infection actually provides immunity from reinfection. And the other is, if we do get immunity once we have the virus, how long does the immunity last? The serology testing will help us learn more about how many people have already been infected, and either were asymptomatic and did not know they had contracted the virus, or who experienced mild illness and were able to recover. The long-term care testing strike team operation in Tama County will be happening today and tomorrow. The National Guard will be providing logistical support for the testing event, and the Department of Human Services nurses will be conducting the testing. The National Guard will also be assisting in transporting supplies to the state hygienic laboratory. Supplies and samples, sorry. The operation will occur today from 1 p.m. till 8 p.m. and tomorrow from 7 a.m. until 5 p.m. Again, all employees will be given the option of diagnostic and or serology testing. Those coming for a test will be asked to wear a mask or a face covering and all personnel staffing in the event will be provided with appropriate personal protective equipment, or PPE. At this time, we anticipate testing more than 200 staff that work in Tama County's long-term care facilities. These types of testing events are an important step in a continually evolving response to this global pandemic. We want Iowans to understand that through events like this one in Tama County and by increasing resources at the State Hygienic Lab and through efforts such as Test Iowa, launched yesterday, we're continuously working to provide more testing capacity for Iowans. Testing is just one component of the COVID-19 response. And in closing, I want to take another opportunity to thank Iowans for doing their part. Please continue to stay up to date with the latest public health news stay home as much as possible, and leave only for essential errands. And if you do need to leave your home, please practice responsible social distancing. Thank you. Now I'll turn it back to you, Governor.
3: Thank you, Sarah. And I do want to thank everyone that's been involved in making this possible. It's so important that we take every precaution that we can to protect our long-term care facilities. I also want to um, thank Homeland Security Emergency Management. Their EMAs are on the front line and a big part of this testing as well. So they're helping coordinate a lot of the interaction that's taking place at these sites and will be very, very instrumental moving forward, too. So I inadvertently left them out, and I didn't mean to because they've been very integral uh, in, in being a part of this. Um I also want to clarify for the public that the testing that's happening in Tama County is specifically for the long-term care facility employees in that area. So this it's not a Test Iowa drive through site, um, it, and so it's not open for the public. But this is, as we collect the information, that allows us to really see where we need to do the Test Iowa drive through sites like the one that we'll be conducting at the event center on this weekend. So this is separate from that. We identified that this is an area that we should should really, kind of with the increased number in positive cases, reach out and provide this type of testing. Um, they're doing it through somewhat of an appointment basis, so we've been very um, systematic on how we're um, having the individuals, the, the, the staff and their family come through and do the testing. So again, if you're interested in being tested for COVID-19, go to testiowa.com for more information and complete the assessment. And as you've seen in recent days, the more tests we conduct, the more positive cases that we're going to identify It's just the way that it's going to be, especially as we're doing some of these large testing events at some of the processing plants. So as our numbers have grown over the last week, so has the concern among Iowans. But I want to challenge that a little bit today. We've known for several weeks that substantial spread was occurring across the state, and we've taken significant mitigation measures to slow it because we knew it wasn't possible to stop it. So COVID-19, it is a part of our life, and we must learn how to live with it until a vaccine Uh, is available. The more we know through increased testing and contact tracing the better that we can really target our response and mitigation efforts um, through comprehensive ways to manage the spread of the virus with speed and accuracy. And really again I want to just reiterate begin to get life back to to normal. So we're getting closer every day but we aren't quite there yet so we expect our numbers and you're going to see that continue to increase over the next several days uh, especially as test uh, um, Iowa sites open and more Iowans are tested but that really is a part of the narrative that we need to know especially as we start talking about drilling down extra you know working with areas that are potentially hot spots and as we look to open up other areas um, of the state so uh, as as Sarah said we need to stay focused continue to do your part and together uh, we all we will get through this and we're going to be able to start opening Iowa back up so with that we'll go ahead and take questions. <laughs>
1: Testing questions. Uh, Yesterday the Polk County Emergency Management Group met, and they're saying that the Tyson plant in Perry is not doing surveillance testing. Do you have any information on that? Will you ask them to do
3: that? Are they doing that? Do so so I, I think they've, I don't know if they haven't done surveillance testing at the site. I think they've made their employees aware of where they can go to get tested. Um, we are working, we'll be working with the Tyson Plan in Waterloo and we we will be testing uh, all of their employees there. I think they're anticipating starting that on Friday. So we are going to be testing those empo- their employees and this is something that we can make available to different uh, facilities. There's different ways that they can do that you know they can go through their local healthcare care providers and just make sure that the employees know that that's an option but we can work with different uh, processing facilities across the state to be a partner in helping them do some surveillance testing on their employees as part of their mitigation efforts and to keep the processing plants up and going.
1: And we're also getting questions from viewers about they've done the assessment they've gotten permission to do a test. Yeah. But the times are all taken up for this first test on Saturday, the site, the yep. appointment time. So i yep. wondering when then, would, how is that going to work? So we'll we-
3: follow up. This is evolving. So this will be our first go at it. So we're going to learn a lot with both of these uh, testing Test sites that we're implementing today and Saturday. Saturday is the first test Iowa drive-through site. So, uh, but we will be following up uh, with them and be, and we will be scheduling them a time, and we'll be doing that as you know sooner rather than later. So, we, we just want to make sure that we can manage the people that are coming through. I think we're at. Do you know, 232, some 200, 242 is the numbers that we're at right now. And so, as I've said earlier, I mean, we'll have the capacity to significantly increase that once we start to, um, you know, get the system, once we beca- this becomes operational.
4: Uh, and with the test Iowa um, assessment, obviously you need a computer. Um, it also calls for a cell phone and an email address. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you reaching Iowans who maybe don't have access to one or all of those things? Yeah,
3: so if you don't have internet access right now, you can either go to 211 or you can call our office at 515 281 5211 Or always remember that if you're feeling having symptoms and you're not feeling well, call your doctor or you know, and, and walk, you know, walk through with them the assessment and then they can help facilitate testing as well so all of the above are areas that they can uh outreach and hopefully complete um not only an assessment but if they are symptomatic then have the opportunity to do the testing and you know we're we're, we'll continue to you know that will continue to involve but right now those are three ways that they can complete that
4: and the test iowa assessment like in normal times it, it feels invasive not to put too fine of a point on it like How do you reach Iowans who maybe don't trust getting that level of information to the government? Well,
3: you know, we talked a lot yesterday about the security, and we own the data. Um, It's uh, secured by Qualtrics that has, um, uh, they are, have the, um, what do I want to say? The security at the highest standards. That's what I'm trying to say. ISO ISO 27000 certification. It's protected by HIPAA. We own the data. Public health are the ones that will be reviewing it. But you know, we've put all kinds of protective measures in place to ensure and assure Iowans that the information that they're providing um, is protected and will not be shared. And really, you know, it's, and as they said yesterday on the call, there, there's really a processing company. So we're taking that data. We're aggregating and, and then utilizing it to set up test sites to be able to make sure that we have sufficient PPE to identify early on if we're starting to see a cluster or a significant hotspot so we can get in there and see what it's attributed to. So it really allows us to um, more comprehensively, I think, uh, address and, and get an overview of the state based on Iowans going in and taking uh, the assessments.
4: Is there any randomization of the information to make sure that it can't be tied back to individuals? Well, even that's on what yours? I was going to
3: say, and I stopped short of that. So they have a, it's a QRC code, and that's really the identifier going forward. So when they come in, it's not their name, it's not any of their personal, uh, personal information, it's a code that's assigned to them, and that's actually what's scanned when they come in to do the assessment, to, to actually take the test.
4: What about on the data, the data storage side?
3: That's all within. We own the data, and it's 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 ours. Did you have an additional question?
4: Okay. And then to uh, the long-term care strike force. Yeah. yeah. Um, when will we know the results for those tests that are happening today and tomorrow? And will that information be made public, and segmented out, like you've been doing for the um, yeah. meat processing
3: facilities? I assume, but it'll be 24 hours. I think approximately. Yeah.
0: So, the, the, because the samples will be taken today and tomorrow, they'll be going to the state hygienic lab. And so, um, you know, how many they can run just kind of depends on how many samples they get in. We know we heard on the call with Dr. Pintel this morning that their samples really do ramp up on Thursdays and Fridays. So, usually it takes 24 to 48 hours for us to get um, those results, and then um, we'll, you know, certainly talk about the reporting piece of it um, and provide as much information as we can.
4: All right. We're going to rod um, over these. Go ahead, I, uh, thank you,
5: Governor. Um, do your metrics still indicate Iowa's peak will occur by next week, or have you revised projections? And if so, how will that affect the uh, April 30 deadline for your current uh, emergency orders to expire? And have some regions outside the eight counties considered hotspots with 70% of the positive cases already moved? into the 14-day window recommended under the President's Open Up America
1: phase plan.
3: So uh, we're going to continue to base our decisions based on data. That's what we've done all along. But with the information that we're gathering and with a lot of the mitigation efforts that we've put in place and Iowans really doing their part in responding, we are right now able to really kind of target where some of the hot spots are and what we're seeing happening with you know long-term care facilities and then some of our processing plants. And so we're testing so we understand what the scope um, is in areas where those are located. But there are a whole lot of other areas of the state that are doing really really well and so we'll be able to look at the data from a statewide perspective from a regional perspective from a county perspective right down to a community and a zip code and so by being able to really um, look at the data and, and apply the metrics at that level uh, we can start to when we, st- we we can take a look at starting to open up uh, different areas of the state and so that's what we're working on our team is going to be working on that today you Know we need. You know, IOMs are ready to get back to work. They want to be working, um, but we need to do it in a responsible and safe manner, and and that will be you know at the forefront of the decisions that we're making. But the you know, like I think about 70 percent of the positive cases right now are in eight counties. So we have a several counties, and there's like 15 that don't have any cases whatsoever. Uh, We have a significant amount that have 20 or fewer, and then when you take into account the number that have recovered in those counties, so we need to continue to watch it and if iowans go on and continue to take the assessments we can continue to kind of manage and monitor that and see where if there's some areas where we start to see uh, maybe a little bit of a, a surge or a little bit of a hot spot and then again we can get in there and do the contact tracing and start to better understand where that's coming from and why and hopefully get in front of it all
4: right we're going to channel 13 go ahead Good morning, Governor. We had had some questions from some people about the testiowa.com website. One of the series of questions asks about potential allergies a person may have, and on there is included that that anti-malaria drug that the president's been pushing, that that study yesterday said may actually not be helpful. Do you know why the allergies would be included in that questionnaire?
3: That's pro- I don't know if you know the answer to that. That's probably, I know Dr. Padati reviewed some of the questions that was already being utilized, the assessment that was being utilized in Utah, and then we were able to kind of ad- adapt some of the questions uh, to make it uh, fit Iowa. So I know she was involved in that process, but I personally don't know why that was on unless you do, Sarah. I, th- I think I think I would just
0: add that um, in terms of the assessment, it would just be collecting information in case that ever would become a treatment. I think just trying to be proactive and gathering information at the outset in case that ever is an approved treatment um, for COVID-19, that would be the reason for asking that particular question. And to
4: follow up on that, um, in the contract itself, it lists the use of hydrogen hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine as an optional consideration, is that being actively considered by the state to allow that
3: use? No, not right now, but I think that's a really good point, but that's how we can use this assessment in so many ways to be proactive as we're working with Iowans and they're managing their own health and talking about, you know, as they take the assessment that's that's a great opportunity to be proactive and to be ready because they are running clinicals. South Dakota is doing a statewide clinical with it as well as other areas of the state, so once that information comes in, if it is approved this would allow us to move in that direction but right now we're not i'm not necessarily looking at that
4: um aaron murphy go ahead uh thanks governor do you have any uh early data
2: on how many people took the uh, test iowa assessment in the first uh roughly 24 hours and um what share of respondents
4: uh, received a recommendation to get tested.
3: Yeah, we'll give you more of those metrics tomorrow. But we have had o- over 80,000 Iowans already that have completed the assessment. We had a huge uh, um, adoption. We had over 193,000, I think, Iowans that actually went to the site and you know took a look at it. Some started the uh, assessment and then pulled out. And we've got metrics on that too. But really, just to put it into perspective, the, when uh, and this is nothing against Utah, but it's just I. Iowans are responsive. When Utah uh, launched theirs, they had 30,000 assessments complete in the first 24 hours. And Iowa, we were, um, you know, over. We were close to 80,000, and we're over that now, where Iowans have gone on and completed the uh, assessment. So, I mean, they're they're interested. They want to be a part of it. They want to get Iowa back open. They want to know what's going on in their communities and in their counties. And this is a way that we actually can help provide them some of that data.
5: WestIowa.com. That's Governor Kim Reynolds here in our daily press conference, and we bring it to you on KXNO. Well, KXNO and iHeartRadio right now wants to help you with your bills. Text the keyword THANKS to 200200 right now. That's your chance to win $1,000. That's THANKS to 200-200.
1: You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest.
5: Coming up next, we're going to be talking with David Kaplan, ESPN 1000 and NBC Sports Chicago. He's going to join us a deep dive into what he saw on Sunday night. Somebody that lived it. Going to be very exciting. Good conversation. David Kaplan joins Ken and myself next as we take you till noon. It's Miller and Condon.
2: 930-2350.
1: Go? Come on, oh, baby, don't you want to go back to
2: that same old place? All right, welcome back. Our final segment here on a Wednesday's Miller & Conda, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Let's head to Chicago. He's David Kaplan. If you recall, he broke the story that Scottie Pippen was on the trade uh, block uh, way back. Uh, we're going to do that. Obviously, uh, a lot to get to with Cap. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors it. Cap, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. I'm guessing that... uh you know, most sports talk radio in Chicago had a field day the last couple of days uh, after episodes one and two of The Last Dance uh, aired on ESPN. I'm assuming that it kept you guys busy.
1: Yeah, oh my God. It's great to be with you guys. I hope everyone in the listening area is safe and healthy and all of that. Uh, yeah, it's been, you know, like I said to my guys, Danny and Chris, who are my producers and then they also chime in on the show, that... When all this started, I said, guys, when Mitchell Trubisky throws four interceptions or they pass on Patrick Mahomes or Trubisky has a big game or Derek Rose comes back to Chicago, it's stealing what we do. We just turn on the mics and let's go, and everything's (laughs) built in. I could literally show up at 8.55, do the tease, get on the air, and have no issues putting a three-, four-, five-, six-hour radio show together easy. Now, when you've got no live sports, you got to be way more creative. And thank goodness we've been given NFL free agency, Bulls front office overhaul, last dance, and now NFL draft. So we've had some really good topics, but this last dance stuff has probably had the most traction.
5: You know, Cap, as you go through it and the excitement, the buildup leading into it Sunday night, I didn't know if it could live up to the expectations that a lot of people had out there. For me, it surpassed them. It was so great. I'm so excited already for Sunday night be able to watch this again. Your takeaway, you lived it after you saw the first two episodes Sunday night.
1: Well, it was spectacular. And I had people who had seen the first eight because the mm. uh, episodes nine and ten still are not done. They're not finished. So they couldn't see those, but they got to see the first eight as review copies. And I could have had one. If I wanted the link, they would have given it to us as an ESPN affiliate to review it. And I said, absolutely not. I want to not binge this. Like, I'm binge-watching Breaking Bad right now. I've (laughs) never seen that show. And that's fine. But this, I want every Sunday to look forward to and go, oh, my God, this is amazing. What's up next? And so we get Rodman in Episode 3. We had Scotty. That gave us a lot of content because... I've been highly critical of Scotty. Look, he's a wonderfully talented player. He was. He also was one of the most selfish star athletes that I've ever covered. Mm. I mean, to go get your surgery at the start of the season because I want to enjoy my summer, and then to whine and complain that you're not getting your contract renegotiated when your agent, and I confirm that, his agent at the time, Jimmy Sexton, who's his big name and agent there is in the world, Jimmy Sexton and his partner Kyle wrote, both told him, don't sign that deal. And he wanted the security because, as we found out in episode two, he had two people in his house, his brother and his father, who were stuck in wheelchairs. wheelchair. One got paralyzed in an accident. One got uh, afflicted with a stroke. Yeah. So he said, no, I'm taking this security. Because he had also had a back surgery that people forget about. And so he was afraid of going back and being poor and having blown his one chance. I get all that. And Jerry Reinsdorf said, don't come back because I have a policy. I'm not renegotiating. And as Bill Wennington said to me, look, if you had renegotiated that deal, you would have had 14 other (laughs) guys at your door going, well, hey, man, I'm just as important. And it would have completely torn the chemistry apart because guys would have been mad if they didn't get their deal redone. So, yeah, I, I lost a lot of respect for Scotty in this episode. When he said, I wanted to enjoy my summer. And it was a, you know, a big middle finger to the bull.
2: Cap, uh, Rick Tellender wrote a piece. I think it's in today's Chicago Sun Times. You know, you go back to 97, 98. They were 62 and 20 in the regular season after the, you know, the bumps to begin the season. Of course, they beat Utah in six games. Tellender's piece was, where was the outcry, uh, when, when this happened? Looking back to 1998. I mean, I, I guess was everybody just, um, Comfortable with the fact? Well, we knew going in that this was going to be it. But what, how much outcry at the end cap? As you think back to, because Jordan said in his press conference, they deserve the chance to defend uh, the championship until we lose it, and then I understand if you break it up. But it was just—it was a foregone conclusion, as we know. But where was the outcry, Cap, to let the, to let that happen?
1: Well, there was an outcry. There absolutely was. But you know, I think we're jaded by the fact that there was no social media back right, then. Right, right. Barely in 1998 had the Internet. Mm-hmm. And so you know, we didn't really, like, email had just started. We, people forget about all That's that. True. That's 22 years ago, and that stuff was in its infancy. There was no such thing as an iPhone. There was no such thing as a camera phone, basically. So, you know, we had all these different things that we have now, we just take for granted. That's just the way life was. Well, there was no way for fans to have, you know, in 1998, we had a little bit of sports radio, but we didn't have the first takes and the pardon the interruptions and the, you know, something where you could debate this stuff on a daily basis, 24-7. And then, oh, by the way, every fan has their own show because it's their Twitter account (laughs) or their Facebook page or their Snapchat or their Instagram Live or whatever it is. So that's why the outrage didn't seem as big then as it would be today, but there was plenty of outrage.
5: Cappy, you're as deep as anybody into this, and you were living it, as I mentioned, a little bit earlier. What did you find, though, that you didn't know? Was there anything new information for you, or even maybe even jogging your memory?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I had no clue that Tim Floyd had been actually offered to come coach the Bulls in 1990, after the 95, 96 season, that stunned me. I never heard that, and I was around. I mean, to, to, 22 years later, find out, wait a minute, wait, what did you say? That he met with you in Seattle? That one shocked me. So, you know, there were that was one. I remember Scotty getting his, his surgery, but I never had heard him blatantly out and out say, I want to enjoy my summer and so big middle finger to the Chicago Bulls for not renegotiating my deal. And then I went back and did some research, and it was, did you realize that in September of 1995, the lockout ended, and we played a shorter season, I I believe a shorter training camp, but a regular season, and in September of '95 they announced that the new six-year collective bargaining agreement, which Michael and Scotty both voted against, but their brethren ratified it, forbid renegotiating of any NBA contract mm-hmm. for the next six years. So he couldn't have had his contract renegotiated. Could he have a couple years earlier? Yes, he could have. But they had taken the money that they had gotten <clears throat> on their cap for Scotty for uh, Tony Kukoc. He didn't come over. Tony did not come over when they drafted him in the 89 draft. And so they took that extra money, and rather than lose it, they gave it to Scotty. So he was making actually more money the first two years, so he didn't complain as vociferously. And then they got a year out from knowing a lockout's coming, so they're like, we're not renegotiating. We don't know what the new CBA is. And then the new CBA comes, and guess what? We can't renegotiate. So I thought Scotty came off poorly in this. Cap
2: were you, were you aware you know speaking of Scotty were you aware of the animosity between well certainly Pippen and and Jordan to a, to a great extent uh when they wouldn't let him play when he was coming back off his injury in the second year until he got to the playoffs and then he went crazy uh but were you aware, were you aware of the animosity between Jerry Krause and some of the stars on those Bulls teams
1: Yeah 100% First of all I don't know if you guys know this but November of 86 November 86 So I had just left college coaching and I'm running my college scouting service. And I come home uh, one afternoon, this late November season's just getting ready to start. And I get a phone message and we didn't have voicemail back then. We had recorders came in my recorder light flashing and it is (laughs) David. This is Jerry Krause of the Chicago Bulls. Please give me a call at blah, blah, blah. Well, I have a dear friend, my buddy, Dave Abrams, who does it spot-on Jerry Krause impersonation, and he was the general manager of the Rockford Lightning in the CBA at that time. Well, Dave would call me literally seven days a week every morning and leave me this message, David, this is Jerry Krause, and I would always laugh. Well, I come home, and I get the same freaking message, and I call him, I go, dude, okay, your jokes run stale. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, your stupid Jerry Krause impression. He said, dude, I didn't call you. I'm in the middle of a meeting. I came out to take your call. That was not me. So now I'm like, what? I call the number. Secretary says, Jerry Cross's office. I said, "Um, I think I have a message here to call Jerry back. My name's David Kaplan. Yep, he's been waiting for your call. I'm like, oh, God. So he says, hey, um, I hear that you were a college coach and that you have a good work ethic. I'd like to have you come down tomorrow and meet with me. So I go in, I meet with him, and he hires me as a scout for the Bulls for zero money. He said, Okay, I'm gonna give you this entire basketball season to prove your worth to me. I'm not gonna pay you, but we'll pay any expenses if we have you travel, but you no know salary. I wanna see how hard you work. So first guy I go see is George Ivory, the leading scorer in the country for Mississippi Valley State, because he was playing at Chicago State. He couldn't play at all. But that was my first report. Now he has me seeing college guys around the Midwest. He has me going to the stadium and evaluating every guy on the Bulls roster and what are they doing technically. Does that work? Does that not? Now evaluate the teams that are coming in. and Give me reports on their personal. Like, I'm working my tail off. Then he has me go in 87 June to the pre-draft camp, and he said, and he was as secret of a guy as they made. He said, okay, I want you to watch number 58 at this pre-draft camp. Number 58. Do not tell anyone who you're watching. And so if any of the other scouts bump into you who you like here, you're not to mention his name. Am I clear? I'm like, yeah, I got it. I go watch this guy. I'm like, that guy's really good. We have our staff meeting that afternoon, and he grabs me. He goes, what would you think? I said, that kid's really athletic, really good. He said, yeah, I think we can steal him in the third round. The next day, I go back to the pre-draft because it's like three days long. He goes, that's your only assignment chronicle everything he does today. I watch him. He's ridiculous. And I say to there's no way you're getting that guy in the third round. No chance. He said, I know. He's probably late first now. But we're going to be okay. We're picking. They had a decent pick. Third day, he absolutely, I mean, nobody plays defense at those things. He's up in the passing lane, gets steel dunking on people on the other end. I go to Jerry, I'm like, dude, you're not getting him late first. He said, I know, I've got to work a trade-out. He ends up working a trade-out to get Scotty Pippen. Unbelievable. That's a tr- true story. And then I ended up leaving and go to scout for the Sonics. And He was a tough guy, and we got sideways on... He didn't like me going on a radio show criticizing a couple moves he made, so we got sideways, and God rest his soul, we cleared the air shortly before he died. He called me and said, hey, can we uh, bury the hatchet? Like, 100%. So it was great.
2: Uh, Fascinating story. Cap, real quick on the draft. We know you're coming up against your show. It certainly seems like cornerback has got to be a priority. Receiver not far behind. Uh, The Bears don't pick till the second round, so we won't know until Friday. But cornerback seemingly very high on the list.
1: Yeah, I would think corner. I would think whether it's a playmaking tight end like a, a, a U tight end that can make plays like Travis Kelsey, George Kittle style, um, that, one of those two. They've got to find a way to score more frequent points. So it's got to be someone that helps there, and they got to get more help on their offensive line, whether that is an interior guy. That, like I love Cesar Ruiz yeah, from Michigan. Michigan yep. um, he may not be there at 43. Some say he will. Some say he won't. But for me, that guy's a 10-year plug-and-play at center. And then I have Cody White here and James Daniels at my guards, and I am I feel like I'm in a really good spot. Like, my interior is as good as any team in the league. They also need a tackle. They do. Uh, so probably one of those areas, unless Grant Delpit or Jeremy Chin are there at safety because they need someone to play alongside Eddie Jackson.
5: Cap, uh, of course, Thursday night, no pick for the Bears. I'm sure you'll still be locked into the draft, but I was a little disappointed because uh, a game that I hadn't thought about in a long time is going to be on MLB Network. Game 163, 1998, Sammy Sosa and the Cubs against Barry Bonds and the Giants. Any memories from that one? That's what MLB Network's going to be putting up against the NFL Draft.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm glad you told me that because I'm going to tape it. I actually worked that game. And I remember being like ready to jump on the field and get a post game interview when that final out was, I think it was Joe Carter flared one off the late it Rod was. back. Mark Grace it fought it. And Gary Gaetti hit a home run. He did. He called it the lead. Like, and Steve Traxel, people forget. Steve Traxel threw seven no hit innings in that game. Uh-huh. Seven. So I can't wait to tape that and get a chance to watch <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, I. Bit of memory. Remember that
2: game. That's awesome.
1: Cap, great stuff. Look forward to talking to you
2: next week. Thank you, pal. Stay safe and healthy. You do the same. David Kaplan joining us. Thank you, Kapper. Good to talk to you. Uh, Centurion Stone of Iowa makes it possible. What a memory! That, that's incredible. That is amazing. You, you didn't let him know that you were going to bring up at that all. game. No,
5: I, I had. Uh, I was looking for some Cubs news, and then that popped up on one of my feeds that that game is going to be playing Thursday night. So, knowing I was going to ask him the question, I looked at the box Believe score, and him. he's just rattling off every single thing that happened in that game. That uh. You were probably big into that Cubs season, I would guess. Yeah, for sure. For sure. The '98 season. Did a lot of baseball, for sure. So that was my freshman year, 98, 90, going into 99, my freshman year at Iowa. Mm -hmm. And growing up in Osage and North Iowa, it was 85% Twins fans probably up there, something in that realm. There were a few Cubs fans, maybe a little bit, maybe 75, and it'd either be some Braves fans because of TBS, Cubs fans. And then a, just a smattering of other, And then I moved to Iowa City. And oh, the Cubs p- fans, oh, i never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I didn't want that Cubs team to win because I was annoyed by all the suburbs kids out there wearing the Cubs hats and being annoying when we go out to the bars. So that Cubs team, though, boy, you look at just the way the season came together. You look at the roster of 1990. It's not a wow roster, But they just played so incredibly well that season. Get in, now they get swept in the first round by the Braves. I remember that one vividly. But uh, certainly a a really fun season, a good memory. And I'm going to be like Cap. going to put that one on the DVR to save here in the coming weeks. want to go back and watch
2: some baseball from 1998. I I had no idea, Trent. I I don't remember the game. I don't remember the circumstances. But boy, Cap, he did. We started to say Centurion Stone of Iowa uh, makes this possible. Centurion Stone of Iowa. Sadly, the showroom, as you can imagine, is closed. It's really spectacular. But... Uh, If you're looking for manufactured or natural stone, look, the website is really good. You'll be able to do your business there. Natural stone to accent or update your exterior or interior project any size. Centurion Stone of Iowa with a variety of styles, patterns, and colors. Over 200 of them. Centurionstoneofiowa.com. Centurionstoneofiowa.com. They present Cappy on a weekly basis. Well, this is going to be appointment uh, well, I think Cappy is every week, but just mm-hmm. listening to him relive um, the last dance is terrific. Bobby Hanson, by the way, who's part of uh, one of those early teams, uh, the Bulls championship teams, he's going to join us at the conclusion of the series. Oh, great. Yeah, that'll so be awesome. So Monday, or hopefully the Monday, if the schedule allows, uh, he will jump on and he'll uh, recap uh, the entire five weeks, ten episodes, and I uh, look forward to Bobby Hansen discussing that. All right, so the Bears, I, I mean, it, Trent, it seems like cornerback is where they're zeroing in. Mm-hmm. They, they need a tight end. They need a receiver um offensive line I got there's no way Ruiz is going to be I would be shocked if Ruiz is there at what 43 You're right yeah he's a he's a really good player and a lot of teams I think are targeting him at the back end of the first round a center from Michigan he can anchor that line for you know 8 10 12 years or an, an offensive line whether he stays in one place or not but uh I don't think he'll be there uh Grant Delpit from LSU was a kid who when the first mock drafts came out I remembered vividly he was a top 5 consensus right. pick, and he has just fallen off the uh, off the first round. He might be there. Uh, you know another kid from Utah, one of the cornerbacks, Johnson, who was hurt? I, I read a piece on him yesterday. On the bear Johnson, he's a good player, and this was a good Utah defense, but he got hurt at the end of last year, and if he wouldn't have... Uh, he's certainly in the conversation, along with Henderson from Florida, I think is the second-best corner in the draft. But injury's going to make him uh, you know, sa- slide, I would assume. Those got to be the directions.
5: I think so. You know, I was yesterday kind of digging in a little bit deeper, and I started to go through wide receivers. They need help. I mean, it can't just be Robinson on the outside. They need more help at that receiver position. But wide receiver is so freaking deep this year. It's unbelievable. I saw one of the scouts had a top four-round grade on 42 wide receivers. Think about that. Now, because of that, you can wait. And because the Bears do have other needs, and I think cornerback safety, even tight end, certainly Mm -hmm. I would put higher on the list just because of the way this plays out. Because of this crop of wide receivers, you can wait to the fourth round and get somebody that you think can help out and help out right away. And I think that's going to be a good thing certainly for the Bears. going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I've asked Cap a couple of different times over the last, I think, six weeks or so. You know, any chance at all they move up to the first round, you know, package pick something like that? And Cap certainly doesn't believe it. Most of the Bears people I've read just can't envision a scenario where they do that and jump into Thursday
2: night. Yeah, I don't think you have to, Trent. This is uh, this has the makings, I think, of a very good draft. Um, you know, here's a name: Cleveland, an offensive lineman from Boise State. He might be hanging around. Cap mentioned offensive uh, tackle there. Uh, Bears are going to have some choices. Bears fans are going to have a fun Friday night, I think. Yeah. With two picks in that second round, um, obviously you're going to take tomorrow night off, so uh, that'll <laughs> sting a watching. little bit. Of course you will. Uh, but uh, but certainly they'll be in the throes of things on uh, on Friday night. Well, we'll be in the throes of Restaurant Radio tomorrow. If you want to uh, be a part of it, uh, we have some openings tomorrow. At least we do as we sit here as we approach the end of our program. Uh, if you want to be a part of it, simply reach out to me, Ken Miller show, at gmail.com or you can find Trent on Facebook. Restaurant Radio we do, we do this twice weekly Tuesdays and Thursdays. We devote about 40 minutes commercial free thanks to NCMIC and we get on, oh nine, ten, eleven restaurants to come on and tell us what they're doing uh, as they try to keep that cash register churning during the uh, COVID nineteen shutdown. I'll give you it's it's a three four minute infomercial about your place. You come on uh, if you're the manager if you're the owner. Um, We'd, we'd love to hear from you. What are you doing? What's a, Give us a couple of highlights of your menu. Let's talk about the website. Let's talk about the hours. We'll let you talk about whatever you want to talk about pursuant to your place. Because once we do get the green light and the all-clear sign is given, we want those businesses to be open so the employees can head back to work. And won't that be a special day?
5: Can't wait for it. Uh, it'll be here soon. I hope you're right. We'll see what happens in Georgia. Yeah. As they that's, open things up. A that's, lot of eyes are going to be on this. Yeah, that's of going to be kind of a test run, yep. I think, of everything for every other state that's out there. Yep, I'm with you. So, what do you got going tonight? Wednesday night, uh, bath night. Uh, for you or? <laughs> <laughs> what? No. <laughs> the kids um let's see that that might be the highlight of the evening that's it yeah bath night for the kids yeah this one might be a movie night for ella she'll get the choice since the tv is going to be locked ah, on okay the draft i already got her a little bit excited she's very disappointed my stepdad's a huge rams fan uh-huh. and he absolutely took her away from any kind of fandom for the bears for me or vikings mm-hmm. for my wife
2: and the rams don't have pick in the first round
5: either do no. no no they don't so but when todd Gurley, who she has a todd Gurley oh. jersey does she? And when I broke the news to her a few weeks ago, I got to call Papa. Oh, I got to call <laughs> Papa. He's going to be so Does she mad. Does know I got to call, call him? Yep. <laughs> so she did. <laughs> and they talked for five minutes about awesome. Todd Gurley no longer being on the Rams and the disappointment
2: of her favorite player no longer being there. That's really cool. That's good stuff. Well, yeah, I have no idea what uh, tonight will bring for me. You're um, off
5: You're off your show that you watch. Yeah, you watch well, all I've the... got
2: two of them left, and I'm saving oh. for the weekend. The oh, okay. Mountain Men are coming to an end. Um, First forty eight last night was good. It was a new episode. <laughs> Ay. It's getting light. It is getting light. It is getting There's light. There's not much new on Netflix that uh I've
5: wanted to see that we haven't seen at this point. Mm-hmm. It's it's getting. To yeah, that I didn't point.
2: watch Aaron Hernandez last week, and I still have to do that. I want to watch that episode. It's a good one, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward. To the boy, this uh, the Tampa Bay stuff. We talked about it earlier mm-hmm. with Frank Schwab. It really is fascinating. It you is. Know? Yeah, really is fascinating. Poor Julian Edelman, in a lot of ways, you know. <laughs> yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah, I know, and he's and he's going to be fine. He's got a lot of rings, and he's got a lot of money. He's had a hell of a career. Um, saw him for the first time when he played at Jack Trice Stadium. We are out of time as a quarterback. Uh, Miller and Condon back tomorrow. Restaurant Radio. Want to be part of it? Ken Miller Show at gmail.com or Trent Condon on Facebook. The Murph and Andy Show coming up at 2. The Fanatics at 4 in the morning rush. We'll start it all over again tomorrow morning. Draft Day at 6 a.m. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 F.